And hello again, everyone. This is Chaz Thomas, and you're listening to the Life Inspired Podcast. The podcast can be heard on Spotify, iTunes, and all other podcast formats. Also on YouTube, Facebook, and on our website, the www.thelifeinspiredpodcast.com. Today's guest is a very special person. He is an advocate for the homeless and is responsible for a foundation called the Bedrock Movement located in Chicago. Here to tell us more about what inspired him to take on this project, the founder, Mr. John Netherly. How you doing, Chad? <laughs> hey, hey, John, John. Mr. John. You, sound, you know what? Uh-huh. I noticed your voice, we sound similar. We do. We do. And I, I noticed that on your other podcast uh-huh. about six months ago, and I said, why that your voice? You sound similar. See, that's what we do, man. We're, we're meant for this. You know? Yes, sir. We're yes, meant sir. for this. And again, yes, I'd like to thank you for being part of our podcast, the Life Inspired Podcast. And the reason why I started this podcast was to showcase individuals like yourself who've been insp- inspired by either a cause or a mission or individual and took it upon itself to uh, inspire others, either through their action, through their words, or through just being who they are, man. And so I know we've been Facebook friends for seemed like five or six years, man. Yes, and and, yes, and that is truly a blessing. I followed you uh, through the beginning of the Bet Rock movement. And, uh, and I've been following you. And I and I, I just let me say this. Yes, sir. Your words of inspiration, your poetry, your life-changing messages that you give on a daily basis, I always thought, I always told you, you know, put that in the book. Copyright that. You have. Because <laughs> it is the things that you say, that's all. It's so original. You have enough for a book. You know, you have enough for two books. You know, and I thank you for that, John, because you you were one of my inspirations for doing. I did I did finally publish a quote book, and oh, you did, yeah, I, and I'll make it available um, on the, uh, I guess on my timeline. Well, I'll, I'll put it out there where people uh, can uh, purchase it. But because of oh, you, geez. you are one of the reasons why I finally did it. Because every time you'll say, hey, you know what, you need to be in a book. You need to put this stuff somewhere. And I, I thank you for that inspiration. Well, you had the talent. I thank you. That's just it's a gift. Pure talent. Thank you, sir. As, you. as far as so many people, and in times like this, everybody's rushing. They well, I can't wait to get out of 2020 <laughs> to get only into 2021 with now we facing these projects. I know. It's, 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 it's an interesting time we live in, man. It really is. It really is. And so if, if no other time, this is a time where people like yourself um, need to, you know, step forward and say, hey, look, you know, it gets better, but we can only do it together. And so mm-hmm. what I, I'd like to do, if it's okay with you, is basically just ask you a few questions. So you may uh, be an inspiration to someone else. Kind of, kind of yes, uh, talk on your humble beginnings and how... Um, how this all started for you. So I guess the first question is, uh, John, what do you do? Well, what I do uh, as a professor, uh, my profession is a social worker. 
and and that's what I always want to. I always want to do, do to do three things. I want to go to the social work. I want to go to for, to a theological seminary for ministry, yes. and I wanted to go to mortuary college. Now I, I went. I went to school. You know, I went. You know, I got through social work. I got through the. the, the I got through the social work. Got through the theological seminary. But could not pay, could not get through the mortuary college for two out of three, not too bad. Could not pass the, that anatomy and that microbiology and that biology and that chemistry. So two out of three, not, two out of three is not bad. That's not bad at all. <laughs> uh uh-uh. uh No, no. And 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 so and so basically, you know, and so basically, I just incorporated. I, I work. I work at a. I work at St. Mary's Hospital. Which is located in Chicago, and I work on the 16th floor in Psych, in the 16th floor in the man's Psych ward sure. um, as a social worker. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, a lot of our patients are, are homeless, and 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 they're working. I've been working at Amina Health. They're working for about um, 18 years now. But wow. even before that, what started this? That really didn't really start. That's not what started this. My homeless interest, but what really started it when I was a little kid. On, you know, growing up on the west side in Chicago, and we live near railroad tracks. Mm-hmm. And I would look out the window, and I would see people, like, sleeping over there near the railroad track and in the bushes and the trees, and then they were doing stuff and all. And I asked my parents, I said, what are they doing? And, and they said, oh, they homeless. And so then when I got a little older, uh, you know, I would, you know, walk my dog, you know, we got a dog. And so, you know, me and my father would walk the dogs. I'd say, man, let's go over there. He said, no, stay away from over there. Those are homeless people. Mm-hmm. And so one day, you know, we did go over there. He had a bag. I didn't know what was in that bag. And we went over there, you know, with some homeless guys laying down, sleep mm-hmm. in the bush and stuff. And my father took the bag out, and it was some sandwiches that he made and some chicken sandwiches. And he gave them sandwiches and had chips in there. And he gave them some food, and I was in the bag. And that's what really sparked my interest, mm-hmm. you know, being about eight years old and seeing those homeless people, how they live, and seeing that the heart that my father has for the homeless people. And then soon after that, my mother, she would invite some ladies, some neighbors into the house, some ladies, and these ladies were all, all you know, were abused. Mm-hmm. And they would, some of them would be falling asleep in the kitchen, on the, on the floor in the kitchen sleep, you mm-hmm. know, because they would come in drunk and my mother would, trying to talk to them and counsel them mm-hmm. and pray for them. And she had a heart for abused women. Mm-hmm. She had a heart for homeless ladies. And she had a heart to help young girls um, become bells, to become like a, a queen bell. So that, mm-hmm. that was her heart. Mm-hmm. And so basically, you know, me and my, my parents would feed the homeless and they would invite people, homeless people to the house. Mm-hmm. And they had a heart for them. They, they would help giveaways, co-giveaways. And so make a long story short, you know, both of them, you know, passed. And so um, my, my father was the last um, to die. That was in 2012. He died from cancer. And the last thing he said on himself is, how about those homeless people? Don't forget about those homeless people. Mm. And then soon after that, he went into a coma and he was dead the next day. And so I never forgot those words. He said, don't forget those homeless people. So in 2012, I went downtown to the two county building and founded a non-for-profit called the Bedrock Movement. Mm-hmm. And, you know, because of that so that inspiration, that was a way to help me heal, you know, from grieving over, you know, my parents' self. And I said, well, maybe this is something I can do um, to honor them. And so, that, and this, and so that's, that's what I did. And, um, you know, finally the Bedrock Movement, the Bedrock Movement means 
is not the Flintstones, but <laughs> the bedrock movement is building a strong foundation. That's all it is. Yes, you know, building a strong foundation because only people they sleep on the ground, and it's building a building a strong foundation to help them get off the ground and stand up and help them pick their self up from their own bootstraps. That's a very powerful and, story, John. Yes, yes. And so basically, you know, what I do, society, you know, I am a social worker about profession, so what I do, I'm really, I, you know, a lot of people say, oh, I, got, I have some socks for you, I have some, some clothes for you. I say, you know, that's not really what, what I do, you know, give clothes away. That's, you know, that's necessary. I, but I don't do it. Mm-hmm. I don't give water away. I don't give food away. What I do, I try to give give them their life back. Sure. I, I go, yeah, because you know, a hundred percent. First, I would say eighty nine percent, but one hundred percent of homeless people that live on the street are mentally ill. Wow! If they sleep on the street, they live on the street. They walking outside with shoes, with no shoes on. Mm. They're sleeping on the ground. They haven't bathed in a week. They have a mental illness. Period. You know, and I and some people get mad when I say that though, but it's true. If somebody's outside homeless on the street, they have a mental illness. Um, if somebody's out on the street homeless, also ninety nine percent of them are drug addicts. Wow. Yeah, ninety nine percent of ninety nine percent of them are drug addicts, and also I would say about ninety five percent of them have some kind of medical physical sickness, whether it's tuberculosis, whether it's AIDS, whether now coronavirus. Yes, absolutely. Know, a high, yeah, a high number of homeless people have coronavirus. You know, some people even said that that's how a lot, that's probably how uh, coronavirus is spread so rapidly, because even here in Chicago, because we have such a high rate of homeless people. And that's a high, that's a very good possibility. You know, I never thought about that, and I'm wondering now that you mention it, are they being tested, you know? Well, you, you know and, what? Mm-hmm. They have access to the test. As a matter of fact, um, Dr. Wayne Gordon, who is, who is the pastor of Blondell Church on Alden and Pulaski on the west side, they have a, a health center, and they have available testing vaccines, not only testing, but they have vaccines that was just delivered yesterday to Lionel Baptist Church that they are giving exclusively to the homeless. That's good. That is good. And I, yes, and I, I called Dr. Gordon. I said, well, Dr. Gordon, how are you, um, what are y'all doing to help um, help the homeless get the vaccine and learn about the vaccine? Yes. He said, well, that's when we need people like you mm-hmm. to go out into the trenches. People like me you know to go out into the trenches and tell them about this, tell the home people to come to Longdale Church on Ogden and Pulaski mm-hmm. so they can get the vaccine. And so that's what I've been, that's what I've been doing. Um, I did that this morning. I took about five people mm-hmm. who wanted to go. Um, I asked about 50, <laughs> but only five. That just, that just, that tells you right, a lot right there. Only five, um, went. Only five went, you know, well, how was, how was going to get them there? You know, I have like a, I have like a little um, I have a van, and I use that to transport transport the homeless. You know, in the safe environment, you know, I, you know, wear wear full COVID masks and face shield and ninety five masks, 
and you know the whole world is to transport. I would transport them yes, to the medical center so they can get the, the virus, to, so they can get the vaccine. But they didn't want to go. But five, I took, and the others, I just gave them bus passes. So if they wanted to go, they could. Even though I don't think they did go, at least it was made available. The information was given to them that they could go and. Um, the bus pass was given to them to get there and to get back to where they needed to go, preferably to a shelter. I can't force you can't force nobody to do anything, Jazz, but you can give them the information mm-hmm. to get there and to tell them why it's important they do it. But if they choose not to do it, it's nothing. You can't force them. That's against the law. Mm-hmm. And I also do the same thing. With people on drugs, homeless people on drugs, I give them referrals to um, places like Gateway, Threshold, places that they can go and get free drug treatment, where they can go and get detox, where they can go and get methadone treatment. Yes, sir. St. Mary's Hospital, St. Elizabeth Hospital, uh, Cook County Hospital. I give them information where they can go and get drug treatment. I give but let me tell you, only, I would say maybe of all who choose to do it, maybe I would say about 10%, the other 90% choose not to get any drug treatment because they want to stay on the street mm-hmm. and use their drugs and prostitute and sell drugs and then go to the dope spot so they can get free drugs. Mm-hmm. And there, there are a lot of drugs clinic in Chicago there so I was, you know a lot of people say why isn't the mayor doing anything mm-hmm. excuse me the mayor has really provided a lot of services for drug treatment there are a lot of drug treatments out here like I said thresholds you have gateway you have what, what other places do you have you have Cook County Hospital there are many uh, um, St. Mary's Hospital like all of there are many places that Homeless people can go, anybody can go and get drug treatment, but they choose not to do it. They choose to sleep on the street so they have access to drugs. They do not, they, they don't want to get a coronavirus me, a med- vaccine yes, because sir. they want to stay on the street so they can have access to drugs. Wow, that is, that is very sad. It's very sad. And they also can get help from their mental health treatment, mm-hmm. but they choose not to. So they can stay on the street and have access for drugs because they know if they go and get treatment, they will have to either be um, uh, petitioned into the hospital, they will have, have a hospital stay, mm-hmm. or they will be, they feel like they would be institutionalized. But it's not being institutionalized. They would just be petitioned into services, but they don't want any services because... They want to stay victims to drugs. Wow, that is amazing. And it's interesting mm-hmm. we're having this conversation now about homelessness because mm-hmm. of COVID has caused uh, people to be homeless when they lose their job and uh, yes, means of making a living. This families, mm-hmm. um, I've heard stories, matter of, as a matter of fact, I have a fam- family member I just found out who was homeless because they lost their job and income and didn't want to tell anyone, didn't want any help, and decided 
you know, just to be homeless for a moment because, you know, once you lose your income, now I'm not just blaming COVID on this. This has been happening for years. You lose a lot of self-esteem and you are embarrassed <laughs> and you don't really want people in your business like that. But as individuals like you who, who actually go out and, uh, you know, look into these people's lives who care enough to say, hey, you know, how can I help you? And I think we need more people like you doing exactly what you're doing. And I'm hoping that this podcast reach some individuals who can assist you in uh, coming to the aid of these people who need help, either by providing a bus or some type of uh, service to the homeless community, because those are people too. I mean, they've come on hard times, yeah. but those are still yeah. people. And we didn't even talk about the kids that are uh, uh, impacted by this. And I'm sure oh, you've- Oh yeah, uh, we're gonna talk about that. Oh yeah. yes, we are, yes sir. Let's, let's talk about that right now, because that's something dear to my heart, is the, not only the homeless adults, but the, the homeless families, the homeless children. What has been your yes. experience with that? Well, you know, right now, you know, there are, um, they, they, it's all kind of treatment centers available. And they, you have homeless kids that are actually living with their mothers in, in actual treatment centers. You know, at least the mothers have, have said, you know, they have, you know, they're drug addicts. They have, uh, they have um, um, curses from prostitutions where they were prostituting, but they're trying to cure themselves. They're trying to get better. You know, they were on drugs. They might have been incarcerated. So they're living in treatment centers with their children. Mm -hmm. And the children, um, okay, this is a scenario. Okay, there has not been no public. The food has been out for over a year. The children are living in a treatment center. Um, um, can't find a job. A lot of times they don't want to get a job at McDonald's. Mm-hmm. If they, I don't want to work at McDonald's. I don't want to do this. You know, they want to buy gym shoes and they want to have all the long hair weaves mm-hmm. and they want to have the latest years to wear and they want to have a car. So there has been a trend now that a lot of young people have been watching or watching and playing a video game called carjacking. Mm. Have you heard of that? No, this is news to me. Yes, it's a it, carjacking is an app. Anybody can pull an app up. It's called carjacking, and it's basically like like a video game. And from that video game, the young people they learn how to carjack, steal cars. They know how to. They learn how to rob people. And it's a game, and they, they play this, and then they learn how to carjack, they learn how to rob people, they learn how to commit certain violence and be criminals in society. And just like the homeless kids do that stay in the treatment centers with their mothers, some of them even you know, live in shelters, like safe haven shelters. Um, you have mothers live with their children in Franciscan shelters. And what I've been seeing is, I've been seeing since the kids um, don't have any food, the kids... They, you know, they stay in the shelter 24 hours with their mothers, but the kids are teenagers, right? At 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, they're not going to stay in the shelter all day. They're going to go out in the street and be with their friends for the ones who are not working. And that's a real big concern that I've even went and spoke to the commander at the Harrison District Police Station saying that, you know, these kids are on the street now. Do you think that they are possibly being enticed 
to sell or, or, or not sell? Do you think they pop, they're being enticed to commit these carjackings and they're giving guns? And the police commander said, absolutely. So that is a big concern that that children of who are homeless um, uh, and who, who children who are homeless and have homeless parents and they live in shelters are the ones committing these carjackings because they get paid money for that. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times the parents are letting them sell the drugs or commit these crimes because they're living off that drug money. Wow, I did not know that. Thank you for sharing that information. And yes. speaking of uh, carjacking, I'd just like to let everyone know, always be aware of your surroundings. Take nothing for mm-hmm. granted. And uh, mm-hmm. when possible, try to uh, travel in groups because you never know who's watching you. So just a word of caution to uh, the public out there. Be aware of and your surroundings. So mm-hmm. Yes, and, and it's so sad. And I'm trying to get off the subject yes, of the homelessness, but it's so sad because now, you know, the people are, you know, the, the, the eyes, all eyes are now on young black teenage boys from 12 to 17 years old. Yes, sir. You know, they walk down the street and people are going to say, oh, they're going to rob me, or they're going to carjack me. But, and now the attention is on young black teenage girls, too, because the teenage girls, I said, uh, two have already been arrested for carjacking. Wow. So now, you know, people are watching out for the young, young teenage boys and the young teenage girls. They're scared of them. Mm-hmm. At one time, a teenage boy or a teenage girl walked down the street. You wouldn't think nothing of it, would you? Right, right. But now, you can see them walking down the street and people are going to get scared. Oh, they're going to try to rob me. And mm-hmm. that's, that's going to even provoke even more crime. Absolutely, absolutely. And unfortunately, these are the times we're living in right now. And yes. again, just a, a little bit of precaution can go a long way. So again, mm-hmm. we're just encouraging people, be, be familiar with your surroundings, try not to travel alone, and uh, just be careful out there because just be um, careful. You, you just never know nowadays. Um, yeah, we, we never know, yeah. we never know. Where I work at, That's right. I work at St. Mary's Hospital, and three of my coworkers were carjacked in the parking lot. Right outside One the parking lot. Right outside the parking lot of St. Mary's Hospital. It's like right on the border of Humboldt Park. Mm-hmm. So we so now they were the police were saying that you know because it's such a high level of carjacking in um, um, Wicker Park, and you know St. Mary's is in Wicker Park, in Wicker Park. And now it's going into Lincoln Park. And yes, now they're carjacking into um, Andersonville and downtown and Hyde Park. At first, it used to be only in the black neighborhoods, but now it's stretching over into the white neighborhoods oh, and these Asian neighborhoods. Absolutely. And it's a big thing now. It wasn't a big thing when it was going on in Inglewood, was You know what? But when it's going on in Blackfield Park, it wasn't a big thing for now, but it's. Yes. Yes, no, no. Now it's major, and you better believe, and you better believe, yeah, and you better believe uh, that the police are aware of this as well. And now, now it is a real thing because it's in your, it's your backyard, it's in your neighborhood. Absolutely. When white people are getting carjacked, or, or, or their homes are a home invasion too, and so the people they are recruiting is kids. Yes, the people they are recruiting are homeless people. 
That is amazing. I was not aware it's of that, amazing. but it makes sense. I guess it makes mm -hmm. sense. Mm -hmm. but, you know, it recruits the kids because they figure they won't get, if they cross, they're not going to get a, a long jail sentence. They'll just go to the audit home in a little while and then they'll get out yeah. and you know, they won't have no record on, you know, on them or whatever. And, but they're recruiting homeless people because homeless people are desperate now for drugs. And they're going to do anything they can do so they can support their drug cap. Wow. What I'm going to do, and thanks for that information, uh, real soon is have um, one of the commanders or police officers come on the podcast and just give us information on how to best protect yourself in your vehicle during times oh, like this. Oh, they will be great. Yes. Yes, they'll give a full presentation. You can bring the group down to any police station. Yes, they'll give your group a full presentation. They'll let you look at the police cameras, and you can actually see the carjackings up close, mm -hmm. and you can see how they they can make it. The police cameras are amazing. When you go to the police station, they'll show you. They can narrow it down to actually see a, a somebody's face 10 miles away. Mm -hmm. It is absolutely amazing, the police technology. That is, the police are my friends. A lot of people say it. Oh, yes, you know, the police, you know, they pull up, excuse my language, they say the police are full of shit. No, that's not true. The police are here to serve and protect. And we have, of course, you know, there are some police officers who are, are maybe corrupt, but you got people out here that are corrupt too, right? It's a human thing. It is. It's a human thing. But the police are here to serve us, and the commander, police commander, are also are so willing to work with anybody who wants to go into the community to help serve in the community. So that's a great idea. That's awesome. And, and also, uh, to those individuals, if you see something, say something. I mean, yes. yeah, it's easy just to turn your head and say, well, that's none of my business, or I'm not going to get involved in that. But you never know. You could be saving someone's life. Uh, Absolutely. Someone's mother, Absolutely. someone's sister, brother, father. You know, if you see something, say something. Absolutely. You know, you Absolutely. never know. It could be your mom or your daughter or husband. And you would want someone to step up and step forward with that. So, you know, let's just, let's just do the right thing. We do the right thing. And, you know, interesting to say that. And I'm going to tell you something that a lot of people thought that I don't, really don't tell people uh, that I do this. Now, you know, when I'm outside, you know, um, I do groups with the homeless people. Sometimes it's with a group of five. It might be with a group of five men or it might be a, a group of two women or I might do a group with just one guy or I might do just a, a, a one group with just one lady. It might be one-on-one -on -one, or it might be a group of people. Mm -hmm. Now, there have been times when I do uh, my groups with one-on-one -on -one, mm -hmm. and they confess to me that they have, you know, the homeless man, like, for instance, I'm going to give you a very good example, and this is a true story. Yes, sir. Um, I was doing a group, this was over this past summer, with a homeless gentleman, right? And he was telling me that he had committed a um, a rape. He, it was like he, he committed uh, three rapes, and that's like a serial, that's like a serial rape. He yes, said sir. he had committed three rapes in the community, and he said he was tired, and he said, you know, of course, he has drug issues, but he just cannot out of that mentality that he's like basically like a serial racist mm -hmm. because I am a mandated reporter I took the information to the police at the Harrison District and I, I told them and um, the man was 
uh, the police did pick him up, you know, block, you know, that's around you was investigated. Yes, sir. You know, there has been a rash of, I'm, I'm going to say, I'm just going to tell it like this. Please do. Um, within the past three years on the West Side, and you probably already know about this, the past three years on the West Side and the South Side of Chicago, mm-hmm. over 50 black women have come up dead. They were found dead mm. in garages, abandoned garages. They were found dead in alleys, and they were found dead in garbage cans. Mm. All of the women were said to have questionable backgrounds, being drug addicts and prostitutes, some homeless. Mm. All the bodies were identified, mm-hmm. fortunately. During that time, when Eddie Reed, no, Eddie Johnson was the police superintendent, he, it was broadcast on television, he's the police superintendent, while the families were there, yes, he was saying that, that, you know, none of this, that, and that was, that was during the time with Jesse, you know, when, when Jesse from the Empire, he gave that false confession, it was during yes, that sir. time, mm-hmm. you know, that all these people were found, that these women were found dead, and, you know, and, and so basically, that was the best, but that's a whole other story right there, but during that time, he mm-hmm. said that, Okay, I lost my train of thought. That's okay. During that time, talking about Jesse, but yeah. during that time, you know, when the, the women were found dead, Eddie Johnson said that they all had backgrounds with prostitution, and you know, they were questionable. They all they all were prostitutes and had issues with drugs, mm. but they still were human beings. And and I and a lot of people, including myself, we just thought that was just so inappropriate for him to say that mm. during the news conference, during the women there. So, so going back to to the point is, so the killer. So they don't know if this was a serial killer. Mm-hmm. They don't know if this was just a uh, 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 one serial killer. They don't know if this was a bunch of uh, men and this. They don't know because mm-hmm. the, they were never investigated. They're like cold cases. You have mm-hmm. fifty over fifty black women and one white woman. You know, like I said, you know, for found dead, mm-hmm. never was investigated. Mm-hmm. The back of my mind, I've always thought that the persons who did this were homeless guys, sure. were homeless men. And the reason I say this, you have a large percentage of homeless men who live on the street because they are not allowed to go into shelters because they are registered sex offenders. Oh, wow. So you have, when you see a homeless man outside, it's not, he's not, he's not living on the street because he, he's not living on the street because he, he can't, he's, he's not living on the street because he wants to, he's living on the street probably because he can't get into a shelter mm-hmm. unless it's a shelter for registered sex offenders. Mm-hmm. If it's a, if it's not a shelter for a record for, for sex offenders, he's not, he's going to be on the street. He's not being, he's not going to be able to get into a shelter, his family, knowing he's a wreck, he's a sex offender, they're not going to let him stay with him, stay with them because they don't want, they don't want him raping their daughter or their niece or the mother, etc. So homelessness also has very serious issues as well, and it can be a safety hazard to the community. Absolutely. And that's where, yes, and that's where a lot of my advocacy comes in too. You know, we, we want to keep the homeless safe, yeah. but we also want to... There are those type of predators that exist in the homeless, we'll call it a community, 
they're Absolutely. at they're at risk as well. They're just uh, they they can be Absolutely. victims as well. Absolutely, and I I have women who who call me and you know they say, John, John, we have some. I'm gonna make some food. But I see it's some homeless guys who live right outside, right down the street in the alley, um, in the gangway, and in the bushes, um, in some paper bags. I'm gonna take them some food. Mm. Um, and I say, well, don't don't go by yourself. I right. say, if right. you go, if if you go, you know, go with go, go with some guy, go with some man, absolutely, go with a group, go with. Don't never. I tell I tell women this all the time. You don't, don't never serve any homeless man. Yes. Man, find yourself because he probably will rape you. And I, I tell it just like that. And and they and they say the way, and they they're so they're so grateful that I tell them that. And then I tell them that there's a large number of homeless men that are sex offenders who are homeless on the street because they can't live in a regular shelter, and you don't really have no shelters for sex offenders because, uh, believe it or not, the um, the um, only shelter for sex offenders that I know of is in Broadview. The mm-hmm. other shelters for homeless shelters, the other shelters for homeless self offenders on Roosevelt and uh, Roosevelt and Kessie, they were closed because people don't want a homeless shelter. People do not want a homeless shelter, a homeless sex offender shelter in that neighborhood. Sure, sure. And there's another, there's another one at. Uh, um, I'm sorry, Washington and Levitt, Washington and Oakley, Washington and Levitt, there is um, a homeless shelter, a homeless um, sex offender shelter, Franciscan. No, I'm sorry, that's not Franciscan shelter. That's St. Malachi, St. Malachi, St. Malachi, St. Malachi shelter. Yes. That's the shelter for a homeless sex offender. As a matter of fact, it's right down the street from the church I attend, Metropolitan, mm-hmm. right down the street from, from uh, Metropolitan Missionary Baptist Church. Sure. The homeless six or six centers over there are not monitored either. And about maybe a few years ago, probably about five or six years ago, there were there was a rash of race in Whistle Park, and the men that were accused of doing it came from, from that particular shelter. Mm-hmm. And I went to the alderman, and I said, well, alderman, they, they do not have any monitor. How, how are these people being monitored? And, they are, and they're walking in the community. And he, he didn't care. You know, he, you know, but that's a whole other thing, you know, about sure. the alderman. You know, a lot of times, the only thing they care about is just identification. That's all they care about. Sure, sure. But you know what? They're, they're, and I'm glad you're sharing this information uh, with the public because— we all want to help some kind of way with the help, help mm-hmm. homeless community, but there mm-hmm. are ways to do it now. I mean, gone are the days, like you said, where you can walk up with some food and, and just hand it to them. Sometimes they don't even want the food because you said they're, they're so driven by drugs, but there are ways and avenues mm-hmm. in which you can help the homeless community. Uh, what are some of the ways that people can help? Well, the way you can help them, help them is don't enable them. Like you said, you know, a lot of times, you know, people want to give them money. The way you can help a homeless person is don't give them no money. Mm. Because if you give them money, what are they going to do, Chad? Buy drugs and alcohol. I mean, I do the same thing. Sometimes, um, you know, the compassionate yeah. part of you say, hey, I'm going to give mm-hmm. them a few dollars. What they do with it is on them, you know. But there, mm-hmm. are, there are other ways uh, to make sure these people are helped. Aside exactly. from just giving them money. 
Exactly. Exactly. You know, um, go give them a gift card, you know, to a restaurant, to uh, a Dunkin' Donuts. Yeah. And they can get at least some coffee, and, or, or at least they can go and sit in Dunkin' Donuts. Like a place in Dunkin' Donuts, they only don't let people sit in a certain, you know, before the COVID, not now though, but they used to. Yeah. You know, low states, buy some coffee, they don't let them sit in a Dunkin' Donuts all night. Mm-hmm. You know, but and so basically, you know, give them a gift card or give them like a little something, a little gift card from the restaurant, and they can go and just get them something to eat, but don't give them any cash. Okay. okay. And another thing, yeah, yeah, yeah. And can I tell you something else too that I'm Absolutely. that I'm um, also working on? Please do. Um, another health hazard um, to the community is um, when homeless people get homeless people are human, just like all of us, and they have to urinate and they have to have a bowel movement too. So when they urinate on the sidewalk. Or when they doing a bowel movement in the bushes or in the park, that's a health hazard to the community, especially during the COVID COVID nineteen pandemic. Don't you think? Absolutely. Absolutely. And so I'm trying to. I purchased now with my own money. I purchased uh, three porta potties. Now, now, let me say what a porta potty is. That's all that is. Is the portable bathroom. Usually, they go and deliver them to the park. And stuff, and you know, you know, you know, it's like like a special event. Mm-hmm. And so I called them. I said, well, you know what? Can I rent a photo party? I'm gonna put it maybe in about six different homeless sites, so mm-hmm. the homeless can go to the bathroom and sure. comfort. Absolutely. And they say, I'm gonna let you pay for it because they're not gonna let they're not gonna let let let, us, let, me rent, let people rent anything for a homeless site because yeah. all they're gonna do is mark it up with gangs of feet, yeah. and you know, mark it up, vandalize it. And then if the bathroom is big enough, they have sex in the bathroom. Sure, so sure. they gave me a discount, and so I purchased I purchased three of them mm-hmm. with my own money, and it um, he gave me a discount. I, I purchased three porta potties for one thousand dollars. Right? Mm-hmm. I put one on the Lower Wacker Drive. I put one on Chicago Avenue and Kessy, and then I put another right outside Tenth City. All three of them were destroyed. Oh my God! I was gonna ask you what happened to them. <laughs> you know, are they still yeah, there? Yeah, they were destroyed. Them and I, and see the thing about it, I, I don't know if the homes, I don't know if the homes people destroyed them. Or I don't know if the gangs. You know, you got like these little terrorists, yeah. and I think the little terrorists are again these little teenage boys yeah. be going around messing with the homeless people. That's possible. That's you know, they sell drugs, and I think they tore up the bathroom because they. They're not gonna let you rent them no more because they know all what things gonna happen to them. Somebody just gonna tear them up. Yeah. So that's another thing I'm working on. But what's the the use of, of buying them and putting them out there and somebody just gonna mark all of them and tear and them destroy up? Destroy them. Yeah. yeah absolutely. Them. Right. Yeah. 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 So and so that's another issue. You know they you know the captain they know community because if you eat in a restaurant you know before this COVID I, I'm just gonna be honest with you if I'm eating in a restaurant right. I don't want a homeless person coming to the table asking me for money or even going into the restaurant to go to the bathroom while I'm sitting there eating. Mm. I, I don't want to see that. What about you? No, a lot of people are the same way, especially with the COVID-19 mm-hmm. um, times we're living in. I mean, you, you exactly. just can't be careful enough. And exactly. that's another reason why a lot of people are eating in now, not eating out as much as they used to, not... Because the exactly. restaurants aren't open, it's because of the elements involved. Because so, of the elements. Yeah. 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 And how many times have you went into a gas station restaurant, I mean, a gas station bathroom, and it's filthy in there, right? Oh, that's horrible. That's one of my pet exactly. peeves. And that's why I don't use public bathrooms. 
for exactly. that very reason. Uh, exactly. Because even at the library, because you have homeless people going to the library, going to those the bathrooms, and they mess up the bathrooms because there's no bathroom available for them outside. Mm-hmm. Or if you go to a library bathroom, those are horrible. You go to a restaurant, a fast food bathroom, that's horrible. Yeah. You know, so that's another big issue. Um, homeless needs a place to relieve themselves. But I, I guess if they have a porta potty, you've got to have a place to never have to have a security guard out there yeah. um, 24 hours too to make sure nobody don't pay it up. Right. Plus, they have to be serviced. I mean, you know, if you got a porta potty, oh, yeah. it has to be serviced. So oh, I'm. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm Rick th- Leach. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was going to say there, there's got to be a better way to approach this and I'm sure there is mm-hmm. and hopefully by um, mm-hmm. having these type of podcasts we can have people come together and brainstorm and come up with different suggestions and ideas on how to uh, best approach uh, this homeless uh, situation and I yeah. think uh, with individuals like you um, we, we, can, we can get an answer to that so I'm hoping yeah. um, before we sign off that you can share information on how people can get in contact with you or your organization, and who knows, have a uh, brainstorming session and figure out different ways that we can uh, better serve our homeless community as well. And I'd like to continue to have you on as a guest so you can, you can give us updates on how, how the projects are going. So if someone wanted to contact you, John, how, how could they do that? Well, Chad, I really appreciate, I really appreciate that, and that, that sounds great. And the main project that I would like to work on um, in the community is this this thing of porta potty bathrooms. You know, providing a place for the homeless people to not only use the bathrooms where they can urinate and they can do bowel movements, so they don't do it in front of somebody's house or do it in an alley. You know, they need to do it, and they need to have dignity too. They need to have safety as they do things like that. Not only do they need a a, a place, a porta potty bathroom. They need a hand washing. Um, oh, most uh, definitely. Too. Yeah. You know, so they do have portable hand washing. Um, facility, you know, for faucets too. And like you said earlier, they need people to maintain it. So I would like people to contact me if they are interested in providing a porta potty um, outlet. Um, portable bathroom, and also, or if they're willing to help maintain it. Now, when I say help maintain it, yes, they literally we have to go through. I know this is this sounds gross, Jazz, but literally you have to go through the foul place to make sure no blade or no guns or anything is hidden inside of it, or the the company won't even come to pick it up. I understand that. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah. that makes but, sense. But, you know, like, if you're doing the brainstorming, please contact me. Um, you can call me on my personal uh, cell phone number, which is 773-567-5110. You can email um, the bedrockmovement.org. I'm sorry, the bedrockmovement at gmail.com. Again, that's the Bedrock Movement at what did I say? The Bedrock Movement at gmail dot com. So you can call me at seven seven three five six seven five one one zero. You can um, email the Bedrock Movement at gmail dot com. You can email me John Netherly at gmail dot com. 
Also, how do you spell your last name, John? N e t h e r l y and first name J o h n. John Nestle at Gmail dot com, and also the um the uh, the Bear Rock Movement is on Facebook. And also, please go and check out our beautiful website, thebedrockmovement.org. Again, thebedrockmovement.org, and that has all of the that has all of the contact information that I just gave you. And you can see all of the the many works that that have been done. You know, with the Bedrock Movement, you know. We've done a lot of work with thousands of people. As you you know, look at all the pictures, and you'll see all of the work that we've done, including um, pictures of the bathrooms, the porta potty bathrooms, and and all of them have gang graffiti on it too. <laughs> I understand. So you can see you can see everything I'm talking about. You can see the sex offenders on there. You can see the homeless ladies. You can see all our work that we have done um, with the Bear Rock Movement. TheBearRockMovement.org. That is amazing, and what an inspirational story. And I'd Thank like you. to uh, uh, help as well, maybe come out uh, when you have another event and be a part of that and uh, lend my support. Yeah. Well, well, you know, you know when I, sit, I, I really want to sit the meeting up, too, um, at the police command center. Sure. And, you know, we can work with, work with the police and get some support also from the police that, you know, this is what the community needs, not only in, I'm sorry, not only on the west side, but on the south side, too. It's on everywhere. On the north side, too. Absolutely. Everywhere. Downtown, too. Absolutely. Each one, reach one, because one person can't do everything. That's right. We got to do it collectively as a community, as a group. And we can. And we can and we mm -hmm. will. We and will. we will. And we will. And it's not just a black-white thing. I'm sorry, it's not just a black thing, but it's a black, white, Hispanic, Indian, Asian. It's a people thing. Everything. People thing. Yeah, yeah. Very good. Thanks again, and John. <laughs> Thanks Thank again you. for being a, a guest on my podcast. And again, I want you to continue to, to show up and show out and you know, look what God can do. Thank you. Much respect, much love, much peace, and continue blessings to you, Chaz, and your magnificent, magnificent work. And may God always protect your, your brilliant mind, and may he protect you from harm and danger and your family. I receive that. Thank you so much, John. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Chaz. Okay. And um, that was John, uh, how do you pronounce it? Neitherly? Netherlands? Yes, Netherlands, like the Netherlands. Okay, okay, great. With the Bedrock yeah. Movement, be sure to yes. reach out to him, uh, even on Facebook. Mm -hmm. That's the, the easiest way, I guess, or through his website. And support this man. Support support yeah. his mission, yeah. what he's doing, because he's doing an awful lot for people of need. So thanks Thank again. You. Thanks again, John, for being my guest. Don't forget to, don't forget to do our website, thebedrockmovement.org. Very good. We got you. Thanks, John. Thank you, John. Mm -hmm. God bless. Talk to you later. God bless you. Yes, sir. And thanks again for listening to the Life Inspired Podcast. I'm Chaz Thomas, and we can be found on most podcast platforms, also on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. You can also contact us on our website, www.thelifeinspiredpodcast.com. 
and always be there for others. Always inspire them with your dreams and hope, vision and mission, attitude and aptitude. Till next time, God bless.